Well, good morning. I mean, you are few, but I know more are coming, right? So anyway, welcome. I, I'm excited to um, worship with you all today. And we're excited too, because like, um, I feel like when we pulled the set together, it was a journey. And so you're going to have a little mountaintop. You're going to have a little new song, Firm Foundation, which if you were at worship night, that, that won't be as new. But I'm giving you a heads up. And then we journey back to Jesus because, you know, it's the best. So I'm going to pray for us. So go ahead and stand. God, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for each one that is in this space, that is online watching, that is headed this way. God, would you just open up our hearts and minds to what it is that your Holy Spirit wants to say to us right now? In Jesus' name.
This song is all about farm, farm foundation, where we stand. Christ is my firm foundation. Oh, the rock on which I stand. When everything around me is shaking. Oh, I've never been more glad that I put
Feel the fear come. I won't run away, even in valleys. Your presence is enough when I feel the shaking. Oh, I will stand my ground. Oh, your presence is enough. Cause you are with me. Father, you're for me. Fear will never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. I'm never alone. I'm never abandoned. Oh, fear will never conquer me. Cause I belong to Jesus. feel the pressure I won't run away 
never conquer me Cause I belong to Jesus I love that promise that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, he has given us his spirit that dwells in us. He's always there. We talked about several of the words describing who God is. The New Testament says his spirit is the, our counselor, our comforter. In the Greek, it's the one who comes alongside of us. And if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have that hope, you have that promise. But it doesn't mean we always feel that way. We're going to go into a time of prayer this morning. And if you are burdened by something and you're feeling quite alone right now, you know, we are led by our faith, not our feelings. And maybe you just need others around you to pray for you, to pray with you, to let you know you are not alone, that God is with you and that he will be with you and you can get through this. So we just want to go in our time of prayer. If you have a need, great or small, just want you to find a seat wherever you're at here at our campus. If you're watching online, we're going to be praying for you as well. Others will gather around you, put a hand on your shoulder, and lift you up in prayer. And we just want to go before our Lord and Savior, the one to whom we belong. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Spirit, for those who know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. If there are those who are here today, Lord, who do not have that promise, that hope, may you reveal yourself to them today. Let them know that you long to be with them, that if they would say yes to you and ask for the forgiveness of sins, that you would come in to be with them for all eternity. God, for those of us who are just crying out now for our needs, whether they be physical, spiritual, emotional. Lord, we just pray that you would meet us in those moments, that you would bring healing, that you would bring hope to whatever situation we are going through. God, we, uh, we are so grateful that we can be a local community of believers, the family of God here in our area, reaching out to those who don't know Christ. But Lord, we are just one expression of your body, one expression of your church. And so today we wanna lift up others in our community and we think of Harvest in Spring Lake and we pray that you would just bless their leadership and bless their congregation that as we enter into this Advent season, Lord, that your name would be lifted up in this community with all of our churches. God, we... uh, we want to pray for your global church, and we think of our partners who are in Colombia and the Vierinks. God, we just pray that you'd bless Ben as he preaches, that the gospel message would be clear. Lord, we are thankful for the many testimonies just hearing this week of people who are coming to Christ, getting baptized, how your church is growing there. And we just pray for your protection over him, over his family. And God, that you would continue to bless that work that they are involved with as they are planting a church. And Lord, throughout this service, would you remind us of who you are? Remind us of your presence. May there be those of us who are here who would feel your presence in a new and in a fresh way today, that our faith would just grow a little bit more as we discover that you are our comforter. You are the one who is with us. We pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Well, if you're here at Spring Lake, you can have a seat. 
I want to welcome you. Uh, this may be uh, as we are heading into the Advent season. I've met several guests, and if you are a guest with us here today, someone has invited you and you're joining them today. We just want to say thank you for joining us. We have a gift for you, uh, and you will find that out at our connection point. So out these doors to uh, my left uh, as you leave. And we would just love the opportunity to get to meet you, find out a little bit more about you. And uh, if you want to get to know a little bit more about us, one of the ways to do that is we would love for you to fill out a connection card. And so we have a QR code that you can use your phone for, and you can uh, upload our connection card, and there's different responses on there. And it's not just for those of you who are new, but if you are new, we would love to connect with you in this way. And uh, also, we want you to know that we have, we must be really getting into these QR codes. Is that like, is that anybody else thinking that too? But it's just the way. It's the way things are now that COVID has happened. But we have a digital devotional going into Advent. And last week, it didn't feel like it was going into Advent. This week, with all of the snow, yeah, Christmas is coming. So uh, we have a gift for everyone. Uh, it's a devotional that starts next Sunday. But you can download that devotional. And we have little cards uh, with a QR code that are out in the lobby and uh, when you leave, just take one of these with you, and you can download it this week. And next Sunday is day one. Uh, but if you want a physical copy, uh, we can make those available, but you need to let us know so that we can make those for you. So there's a sign-up sheet out in the lobby to do that. Um, and there's also a way on the connection card to let us know that you want to do that. So that's the announcement. But we're entering into our time of offering. And I just want to say to those of us who offering is a part of our worship, that this last week I met with our global team. And uh, we, we have general giving that people give to the church, and that helps the local ministry. We have benevolence offering, which helps those who are in need in our community. And we have a global outreach fund. And that helps with our partnership and our missionaries abroad. And we met this week just to talk about all of the different partnerships and what God is doing around the world. And I just want you to know that we have people who are on the field in very difficult places, but seeing God move, churches being planted, lives being changed in very hard places, but it's because of you. And so I just want you to know you're a part of that. And I just want to thank you for your generosity and just ask you to continue to consider to give, whether it's general giving, benevolence, or through our global outreach fund. But I want to thank you for your gifts that make it possible for people to spread the gospel all over the world. As I said, we are heading into Advent. We've got Christmas Eve services coming up, and I would love for you to take a look at the screen as we plan ahead.
Well, I want to welcome those joining us online, all of you here at our Spring Lake campus. We're really grateful that you're here with us on this day. We are in between series that will begin next week with Advent, and we're going to look at baptism today together. Thad and I will be teaching this together. Last time people kept asking for a duet, you're not going to get one. But just some people were not asking, I'm lying. Uh, I'm going to invite you to pray in a minute, but I wanted to uh, recognize with you that winter has arrived. Is any? Oh, thanks. I love the sweet kindness. In case you didn't hear that, it was, no, really. You're welcome. <laughs> I don't even know what to do now. I'm just kind of stuck. No, I'm kidding. I was thinking about the two sides of this coin, because it is funny when snow comes. Do you ever feel like you're shocked? What? It snowed. So there's one part of you who's like, I dread this. And then there's the other part, being from Michigan, you're like, we are gritty people, aren't we? Like when people act like they can't go places because it snows, you're like, where did you grow up? We will drive through anything. Any amens? Thank you. I'm glad to hear it. The rest of you at home, strengthen up, okay? <laughs> All right, I want to invite you before we open the scriptures to simply ask God to speak to you. We believe it's about revelation. It's not about information or persuasion. And so we want God to meet with you. Whether you're here, whether you're online, and you have doubts, questions, skepticism, or whether you'd say, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, and anywhere in there, just be honest to God with your circumstances and ask him to speak, and then I'll pray for us after we give you space. Lord, even as we slow down and just sit for a moment, uh, we recognize that you have to speak and that we, we can't even do this thing of life or, or figure out how to live without your help. In the same way, God, I come before you, Thad and I do, and say, well, you need to speak. So would you speak? Would you lead? Would you teach? Would you offer hope and encouragement in your very presence in life to us? And Lord, for both of us, we say, whatever we have to say that's not from you, let it fall to the ground, let it be forgotten. But we're asking whatever is from you, would your spirit breathe life into us and help us to have understanding and drive and passion and life breathed by you. Uh, we join with the psalmist praying the words we speak and the way we respond in our hearts and our actions would please you, our rock and our redeemer. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. So as I said, we're going to be looking at baptism. Why even, what is baptism? What's this mean? How do we engage in it? And I'm assuming we probably have a cross-section among us in our own building here online that some of you grew up in traditions, for example, where you were in a church and kids were baptized when they were little. Others, like me, were brought up in churches where that became your response, an affirmation of your own faith. And we were baptized the true dunking, which we all love here. We drop you down and pick you up. And then all sorts of in-betweens. We're going, baptism, water, what does that even mean? And so our hope is that we might deepen our understanding, not simply say it's something we just get, but make no mistake, God continues to reveal himself the more we understand. And so you don't just understand something, you continue to explore and deepen, because that's how God moves. So I'm going to take you back to when I was in seventh grade, because at that time we were attending a Baptist church, and I had already decided to follow Jesus, but that was the age with which I got baptized. And I remember... <clears throat> meeting with the pastor and having some explanation. But as a true seventh grader, I listened to about a third of what he said anyway. 
And uh, I remember getting ready to go in. And the only picture I had was a picture from Scripture, which is Jesus himself being baptized. And in that picture, if you're not familiar with it, Jesus is baptized really as a representative of humanity. God comes in the flesh and participates as a mean of entering with us. Anyway, in this moment, Jesus is taken beneath the waters. And when he comes out, it tells us the Father speaks from heaven and speaks of the pleasure of his Son that really something beautiful happens, and the spirit, like a dove, descends on him. I mean, tell me that's not crazy, cool, mystical, isn't it? So what do you think I was hoping would happen when I got baptized? Some crazy, cool, mystical. That's what I was expecting. So I remember getting in that tank. I remember thinking, this water's kind of chilly. I wonder why they didn't warm it up. Very spiritual, as I was. And I remember as I went down, I was coming out, as he pulled me down, pulled me out, I was thinking, I'm looking for some wonderful, miraculous thing as I'm looking up to the white ceiling in the building that's high. And I looked up, and suddenly as I came out, I realized not only am I not seeing something, I forgot to plug my nose and hold my breath well. So at that point, the experience I was having was primarily choking and gagging loudly and obnoxiously, which was... <coughs> After in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So in case you wonder, my baptism was not the most profound moment of my life. Now, I tell you that partly because let's be honest, sometimes we have an expectation that it may not meet. But what we want to do is mine beneath it. What does it actually mean? And not only what does the moment mean, what's the picture mean? Because quite honestly, the picture is the pattern. In other words, as we follow Jesus, the picture becomes the pattern of how we live. And Thad and I want to just explore that with you today. And our hope is it will deepen for some. For others, you might even consider engaging. And for all of us, we can either be renewed or discover faith in a new way. So Thad's going to start by just giving us an overview, looking where did this come from? It wasn't just something Jesus started, but how do we see it through Scripture? And we'll start there. So baptism, in, in my experience in North America, you know, we, we, we seem to take baptism as like another thing that we do uh, in a service. So oftentimes we see it as like a special music or a, a special video or something that goes on. And so from the form that it takes in the, in the scriptures that it is a sacrament, this is a sacred thing, oftentimes I think in our North American context and in our worship, we sometimes miss this, this beautiful history of baptism. In the early church in the first century, they had a teaching called the Didache. It was the first uh, discipleship in the very first century that they would teach people when they became followers of Jesus, this is what you do. And I think it's in the second or third step of this is what you should do. Baptism is listed and how you should baptize and what you should say. And so the church historically has had this like beautiful picture and seriousness to baptism. But it's not just throughout history, it's even around the world today. So I, I get the opportunity as a mission pastor here to, to have conversations, to talk with people who are planting churches and seeing people come to Christ in very difficult places. In some of those places, it is not safe to be baptized. And even this last year, there have been some of our missionaries who have been a part of baptisms that have taken place at night in secret, in homes, in bathtubs, because they don't want the word to get out. Because if they do, they could lose their job. They could be excommunicated from their community. They could lose their family. 
And so it is, it is very serious. In sub-Saharan Africa, there are places that people risk their lives getting into crocodile-infested waters in order to pursue baptism, risking their lives for this sacrament. So what is it historically? What does the scripture say about this meaning of baptism? And I think oftentimes we see the explanation of it in the New Testament. We see the Christian expression of it in the New Testament. But there is a foreshadow of this baptism that is all throughout the Old Testament. And I think it gives us a beautiful understanding and meaning of what it brings to the New Testament. So I want to walk us through just a, a couple of stories of the Old Testament. And the first one that we find is actually in the first two verses of Genesis. That in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. It's a beautiful picture of God's presence over the waters. And it was out of those waters that life first began through creation, that God took out of those waters. He created new life. And so the early church fathers, uh, one of them, Tertullian, said this. He said, it was out of those waters that God brought new life. So we shouldn't be astonished that it is through the waters of baptism that God brings new life to us. And I think it's a beautiful picture, an image of what God is doing over the waters of his presence together with us. The next is about the ark. In Genesis chapter 6, and we'll get to this, in Genesis chapter 6, humanity has been found to be wicked. Every inclination of man's heart is evil all the time, the scriptures say. And so God decides that he is going to rid the world of sin and wickedness. And he does so through a flood. But he saves Noah and his family. He takes them and he makes a new family, a new life. And it was through those waters of the flood and through God's presence there as he was with them in the ark that God brings them to this new place. And sin is gone. Wickedness has been washed away. The past is gone and there is new life. And so Peter alludes to this in the New Testament and says, in the ark only a few people, eight and all, were saved through the water. And this water symbolized baptism that now saves you also. That when you are baptized, it is with God's presence. He is with you. Your past is washed away. Sin is gone and there is new life. And these themes just keep coming. And so in Exodus chapter 14, the people of God, Israel, God has said, you belong to me. And they're in slavery in Egypt. And God says, I want to free you from this slavery to your past. And I want to bring you into this new land that I have for you, this promised land. And so through the miracles, and you, if you know the story in Exodus, through uh, all the different plagues that God brings, the Pharaoh finally says, let him go. And so Israel begins to move out, and they get caught between the sea and the armies of Egypt, who wants to bring them back and enslave them again and put them into bondage. And they don't know what to do, and God says, I got this. And through his presence and his power, he parts the waters. And Israel walks through on dry ground. And then the waters close in around the enemies of God and washes away that past and that bondage, bringing freedom from that bondage and into a new life as a new family of God. They belong to God, and they begin to follow him in a new way. 
It's a powerful picture in the Old Testament. But Paul says this, going back to that story, for I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that your ancestors were all under the cloud and that they passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. It is a picture of what God is doing in our lives as we go through the waters of baptism. They crossed over, but they were in the wilderness, and because they fell back into sin and mistrust of who God was, God makes them wander for 40 years before they enter into the promised land. And as they go to enter into the promised land, there is something in the way. It is the waters. It is the Jordan River. And Joshua, who is now leading God's people, his Hebrew name, Yeshua, God says, we got this. And God's presence shows up and he parts the waters again. And the people of Israel go through on dry land and they enter into the promised land. And so it is the early church fathers said, there is another Yeshua. It's the Hebrew name for Jesus. That just as Israel could only truly enter the promise, all that God had for them by going through the waters, so it is that you can truly have what God promises if you will go through with Yeshua, Jesus, and enter through the waters that he has something more for you, a new life, a new way. And so you see these themes that continue to come up throughout the Old Testament. God's presence in the waters, God's presence every time. There's a forgiveness of sin, an acceptance into God's family, the washing away of the past, freedom from bondage, a promise of new life and salvation in God alone. These are themes that continue to come up. One more Old Testament story, and it's because Jesus mentioned it. It's the story of Jonah. And if you know the story, he's a prophet that God calls to go to Nineveh. They're being wicked. And God wants him to go and to preach the good news that God wants to forgive them. And he doesn't want to go. So he tries to run away and he's on a ship. And God brings up a storm. And everyone on the ship is afraid they're going to die. And they find out it's because Jonah's there. And so Jonah offers himself into the waters says, I'll, I'll pay the price. And he offers himself to the waters. And when he goes into the water, God brings a great fish, we're told. And he lives in the inside of this fish for three days. And then God delivers him on the shores of Nineveh and rescues him. And he gets out and he goes into Nineveh and he begins to preach. And people repent and they are saved. They find forgiveness and mercy and their lives are changed. Why does Jesus bring this story up? When he was questioned in Luke chapter 11, he said this, this is a wicked generation to ask for a sign. You wanna know whether I'm the Messiah. You wanna know if God is with me, but no sign will be given except the sign of Jonah. The sign of Jonah for Jesus would be his crucifixion, his death, and he would be buried like Jonah was in the waters for three days. And then he would rise again to bring a message of forgiveness and new life that those who trust in Jesus Christ will be saved and God will bring his mercy and his forgiveness. That's the sign, Jesus said. 
And it's no wonder then that Paul would use this as an illustration of what happens to us in baptism. Don't you know that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, right? Buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's awesome. It's that picture, that image throughout the scriptures of what God is doing in baptism. And it's no wonder when Jesus ascends to heaven that he sends his Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands up and he preaches the first New Testament sermon or the gospel that throughout history, God has been redeeming and saving his people and that it found fulfillment in Jesus Christ. That's the good news. That Jesus Christ is the way of salvation. And he says, but you've killed him. You've crucified him. But he rose again. And if you will believe in him, you will have eternal life. And the people are cut to the heart, the New Testament says, and they say, what are we supposed to do? How do we respond to this message of good news that Jesus is the way? Peter says this. Repent and what? Be baptized. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, God's presence with you, and the promise is for you, the promise of new life for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Why is baptism so significant? Why are people willing to risk their very lives for this expression and this image of baptism? It's because the waters of baptism give image to our witness. We belong. We are the people of God. We believe in what he has done, and he has done it through Jesus Christ for all who would believe, for you and for me. Amen. So we want to explore together the meaning of this. Give you a place to kind of engage and see what God might be saying and doing in and to you and through you. I always find it interesting when people say things like, well, God's kind of this heartless, thought-only tactician. You know, there's a mechanism in the way he does things. And if you just look at history and go, imagine God takes the beginnings and the water there and says, I'm going to use the same image through my son of new life. And then he comes to this moment of great desperation and wickedness and says, I'm going to give a thread of who I am through the very flood and the new redemption. And then he takes a people in bondage and slavery and brings them out and says, this is the way Jesus will come, my own presence. It's crazy cool, isn't it? And even the story of Jonah, I mean, these are great pictures. And they tell us that the very way Jesus lived, died, and rose again was the pattern of new life and the way of new life and the means of new life. That very simply, God comes in the flesh and he enters the depth of sin. That's what he does just by walking in humanity. And through that, he comes out, pays the price, rises, and gives us new life and says, not just simply you can receive me, but this is the pattern of how you can live. Like this picture is the very pattern that God has for us. And that's what we want to capture today. Think of it this way. Is in baptism, the seed is planted of new life. The way of forgiveness and new life is there. And then our call is to grow up in it. 
And we want you to have a deepening of understanding. One of the things I always love to consider are these basic things we call sacraments, like baptism and communion, are things we never fully grasp and continue to grasp more deeply. And so we hope that's part of what happens today. And with that in mind, we want to look at baptism as our witness. What does that mean? What does that look like? And one of the things I asked Thad, you know, tell us a little of your own experience of baptism because it, it kind of highlights for us one of the beautiful pieces of baptism for all of us. Yeah, I, I was also a teenager when I uh, started following Christ and was probably 14 when I was baptized. But I think for me, the expression of being belonging to something greater uh, has been so meaningful to me and uh, just being a part of the body of Christ, the church. So when I was baptized, the pastor who baptized me wound up being the very pastor who was there when I received a call to ministry. And he was the same pastor who married my wife and I. And then several years later, prayed over me as I was ordained as a, as a minister of the gospel. And that relationship, not only with, with the pastor, but with the church and with God's people and doing things together, it's always been a reminder to me, my baptism is that I belong to something greater, that I'm a part of God's family. I love that. You know, that's, baptism is not simply an individualistic action or sacrament. It's something the church lives into together. You know, that it lives over time. And, and you could even hear it in Thad's story. He experienced the reality of forgiveness and new life, and it's growing up in him. I hope you see that and hear it. And then the same way, we're connected. This is part of where we discover we are a family that cannot be shaken. That's what we're part of. We're a family that's loving each other in the depths of what we see and go through in all times and in all ways. Let me take you through two basic things of this. There's how baptism is a witness in our lives and through our lives. And so in our lives, I want you just to consider it this way. Under the water is the image of us facing our sin and our brokenness. Out of the water is the new life the Holy Spirit brings and grows in us. So if you consider it very simply this way, as Jesus enters in to the depth of our sin, that's under the water. And in case you don't know, if it's new to you, one of the aspects we believe is God didn't die so he could love us. He died because he loves us. And it says in Scripture, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, he loved us in that depth. And so in our own, in our own baptism, we explore the depths of our own sin and brokenness. And out of it, we come to new life. We begin to discover how the Holy Spirit breathes life and works differently in our own. I was pondering my own life as a Christian, not just my baptism, but looking back a little bit before that. And, uh, and I don't know how many of you go back, I would, you find old papers from when you were growing up, different things you did in school, different projects, whatever. Well, I found this, uh, this paper that was a shield my fourth grade teacher had done for us. A lot of times they'll draw a shield, maybe some of you did this, they'd have different quadrants, and you basically in the shield put different things that were most important to you, that's what you did. So I looked back, and I had in one of the big quadrants, it just said, Jesus is a light, and I'd colored around it uh, very poorly, but that's what I'd done. Now, where I grew up, that was not uh, encouraged. In fact, the community I grew up in was pretty much antithetical to a lot of Christian things and was not encouraged. So when I saw that, one of the things that I reminded myself of was, you know what? There was something that happened in my life even before I really fully identified it, though I think, I think my mom had probably explained it to me at that point. And I began to think back on things that were germinated early on in my life. 
And one thing I know has been true for me is in each phase in different times of life, God opens up different depths of my struggle and sin and loves me and meets me and I trust helps me in those places be transformed. And so I want you to picture it as from an early age, this starts. And don't we want it to start earlier? We often in the church spend a lot of time with adults in this and I go, man, let's not miss out. For any of you who are raising kids who will one day who are parts of you, we want to be helping our kids understand this. You know, my mom and dad did not have to explain to me that I was broken and had sin. It was pretty self-evident pretty early. And if I wasn't clear in it in elementary, I was very clear in middle school because everyone tells you and you feel it all the time. I go, man, I don't want to miss out even the beginning of this for us. But baptism points to our initial, the initial act of salvation and what God's doing. It's the foundation, the seed that begins and then the call is to grow, which is a whole other question for you to just ask, am I kind of sitting in this or am I really allowing God to meet me and grow me? The other side of it is how it's through our lives. And very simply, it means how we help others discover this through this very picture and pattern. You see, for others under the waters, we meet others in their depth of their lives and their struggle and their despair. And out of the water, we want to invite the Holy Spirit to bring new life to them. We cannot do it alone, but we certainly can be ones who help meet people in it, can't we? And, and, and I mean, what a simplistic way to think about what it means to follow Jesus. I'm ongoing being made new as God reveals deeper and deeper things of brokenness and begins to transform them. And guess what I do? I enter life in the depth of others. And, and I can't infuse that to you and say, here's what you do, but here's just one little tool, and then I want to give you a few pictures of it. Because one thing I found is the, the way you easily enter people's lives and connect is simply by being curious. In other words, what I mean is you actually listen and begin to ask, what, what are they saying and what might I discover? And you're not asking it so you then just have the quick retort or to tell it. You're just trying to discover it. I mean, imagine if you and I, that's what Jesus does, by the way. When he comes to humanity, he enters the depth of our sin. And he doesn't just do that for us. He goes, by the way, I've left you here so you'll do the same thing. You will enter people's lives in their brokenness and in their pain. I, I thought about it just in the last week I, with little simple things that happened for me. I ran into a couple and they said, I asked them how they're doing. They said, we're mostly good. Well, I was curious what that meant. So I said, you know what, what when you say mostly good, tell me what's good. And they did and there's some great things. They said, you didn't say all, oh, tell me about the other part. Well, there was a deep pain in that part. And I go, I think Jesus wants to meet them in the waters of that pain and suffering. My wife and I ran into two different people in two different stores just hanging out downtown yesterday, both of whom shared things. And the second one, I wouldn't have even known anything. And somehow my wife picked up on there's something going on. And we heard a very long story of heartache and pain. And just went, that's entering the depth. But make no mistake, I'm not simply talking about things that have been done to people. There's things that we do. And we often have examples of this when they seem more extreme or more aware. You know, for example, someone who's going through addiction and they meet someone else who's gone through it can meet them in that because they know the pain of their own sin and struggle and brokenness. But that's true in our struggles with gossip. <laughs> that's true in our struggles of the way we look out for ourselves only in materialism. It's true when we're unloving and hateful in our marriages, in our singleness, when we're trying to find our own way and perhaps... I mean, the list could go anywhere, can't it? Our call is to meet people. 
I am amazed at how people reach out to others through their own brokenness. And that's part of what God calls us to. And then through that, to invite God's presence and power to transform them. I love the picture. I told you the picture is right there and the pattern's right from it. We are people that the seed has been brought to us of new life through our forgiveness. And then God wants to mature it. In the same way he's saying, I want you to meet others in the depth of their brokenness and offer the hope that they need to just by how you live and asking and telling the story of who Jesus is. This is Jesus' final words from Matthew's account to all of, his, all of the disciples that he was with. He is risen by this time. He's been around for about 50 days, we know, and he meets up with them on this mountain. And it says, they bowed and worshiped him. It says, some still doubted. One of my favorite things in there, because it's so comforting to know, even looking at him risen, some could still have some fear and question. And I think oftentimes we act shocked if anyone else has it, but we often push it down. And guess what? He wasn't alone. Any of them, when they doubted, they were with the other believers who were now their family. Do you think we should be a place that meets each other in doubt and fear and struggle? You bet we should. We don't pretend it's not there. We live honestly. And we know God has to reveal to them the depth of their own brokenness and the new life he has. What I love about it is you can't manufacture it and you can't fake it. But man, when you see it, whoa, look out because it's amazing. This is what Jesus says then. All authority is given in heaven and on earth to me. Therefore, you, all these around me, even those who are doubting, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is always with us. That's central. This all centers around making disciples. That's the verb that matters, just so you know. But baptizing is the obedient picture. He doesn't say some of you. He doesn't say if you want. He says, listen, you baptize all of them. Because that baptism... The waters of baptism, that gives the very image of our testimony. That's the transformation inside and the transformation shared. You get in the picture? I mean, it's a powerful picture. Why would we not want to follow what Jesus does and says? The waters of baptism give image to our very witness. I want to give you one final picture of this to hopefully help seal what I mean by this, what we mean by this. And then we're really going to give a little space to ask the Spirit to kind of lead you through a few of these questions. So I'll tell you a story of a man named Steve. His sister, he had grown up and, and come to faith, and his sister was one he always longed to kind of be involved in her life as he was growing in his own faith. Uh, it's Steve's pastor, his friend, who tells the story. And his sister was non-responsive. She had a life she loved. She was enjoying particularly just kind of Anything she wanted to do, she partied a lot, she looked out for herself in every way, and even into her 30s and her 40s, even into her marriage, she continued to live this kind of self-fulfilling, enjoyable, pleasure-filled life, never responding to him. He just kept praying and loving and watching. Well, she, in her 44th year, she would discover that she had breast cancer, and that would be just the beginning of things starting to unravel in her life. Soon after that, her husband was also diagnosed for can from cancer. And soon after that, she found out he was having an affair and he told her, I don't love you anymore, and he left. 
And all the things she'd built her life around suddenly were coming back. And all of the ways she'd lived for herself were suddenly hitting her differently. And all the struggles that she had put off and felt she worked around suddenly revealed in her own life. Things would shift for her quickly. The very conversation with her brother would actually ultimately lead her to discovering the depth of Jesus meeting her in that brokenness and offering new life. That new life would not bring her healing. In fact, she would continue to go from treatment to treatment. She would continue to go from surgery to surgery, each time her body declining more, and somehow in the midst of her body declining, the very new life of her witness would begin growing. Like somehow because of how she was living and discovering, I love the way her brother says she had the same gusto for life she had for herself in the midst of losing it. You fast forward towards the end, it was 10 days before her very passing and she would, had been in a hospital, thought she'd never get out. But she wanted to get out because she'd missed doing something so sacred in her Christian faith, which was being baptized. And found a way to convince them to let her out long enough that she'd go and they had a service to baptize her. As she was baptized, her father, who was 84, that had no interest in faith, would look and hear her story and knew the truth of her witness by how she lived, and he responded to Jesus. And her ex-husband came out of deference and kindness, and he would respond to Jesus. And nieces and aunts and a sister and her college roommate, who was living the way she wanted to, focused on her new age crystal life, would drop all of that and follow Jesus. And I'm sure there were others. And if that were not the end, after her passing, her brother would get to share at her funeral. And as he shared her story, over 100 people would have their life changed. And I don't want you to be impressed by the number. I want you to be impressed by a life that was baptized and lived out that baptism. That you couldn't argue with it because you saw it. And she didn't just have it live in her. She lived it through her to others. Are you getting the picture? Like this is so much more than simply did I go in a tank or not. To its image and sacredness of following Jesus in his very command to do it and finding new life out of it. We simply want to ask how will you respond today? And so what I want to do, I'm going to ask you actually to close your eyes, not because I'm going to try to do anything to make you do something right here in the moment, but I just want you to close your eyes so you can tune in that maybe the Holy Spirit wants to say something to you today. So first, I'm just going to ask, Holy Spirit, would you speak now to each person? Lord, whether that is through a thought or a picture or a sense to respond in obedience or an invitation to respond to you, would you just speak? And then as I'm asking, I'm going to ask you to kind of think of this in different levels. Some of you have never made the decision to follow Jesus. You've never responded to this very reality that he came, he lived, he died, he rose again. That he meets you in the depth of your sin, in the waters of sin. And so if you're knowing that today, if you're going, I think this is true, just ask Jesus to be with you in your sin and forgive you. Because his death brings forgiveness. So ask for it. God, would you forgive me? for the mess I've gotten in, the mess I've done, and the sin I've committed and pondered and thought about. And then for any of you who do that, Holy Spirit, would you fill them fresh 
and begin to bring new life and new seed of that out of them. Now, for others of us, maybe the interaction is, Lord, would you help me go into the depth? That God's put the seed of forgiveness in your life, but you are ignoring or not even realizing what areas you still live in. What are ways he wants to change and shape and meet you? And so maybe for you, it's God help me see if I'm blind to any of my sin. Help me to be willing to explore and let you meet me when instead of trying to fix it, I want you to meet me in it. Maybe it's us saying we want this to grow in us, his very salvation to grow in us, not just to sit as little baby Christians. Maybe you're asking him to give new life out of it. God, I don't even know how to get out of this. And would you meet me, forgive me, and help me know my part to grow and your part to change? Maybe that's what you asked for. Maybe for others of you, whether you just responded, whether you responded a month ago, a year ago, 20 years ago, you've never been baptized. Jesus didn't say it as a, an idea. He said it as a commandment. Be baptized. Maybe for you, the very step of baptism would be a move of obedience, and that's what it is. Maybe it's a move of humility. I don't want people to know I haven't yet. Oh, man, we love baptizing every age and stage of life. Maybe you experienced it from your parents having you baptized as a kid, and you go, I don't want to do this again. And we go, you don't need to, but if the act of obedience helps you, we just renew it in that state. Maybe it's that. Is the Lord inviting you calling you to respond. And instead of saying maybe not, maybe you should say why not. And then finally, the area I want you to begin to ask God to lead is what might it look like? Where might you be pointing out to me others that through my new life I can meet them? Maybe God will bring to mind someone that you know they're in a difficult spot right now. Maybe it's someone he just wants you to share and pray and be your friends with. But would you respond and say, God, I don't just want to be my life changed, but I want to be one who helps others be changed. And ask him to use you and lead you and begin to pray that he would guide you. And then finally, Lord, I don't, there may be other things you want to say, so you say what you want to to each one. But I am praying that we will be people that become more deeply anchored into the truth of what our baptism means. We would be more deeply rooted together as a family. And I'm praying, Lord, we will actually grow up in this thing. We would watch it germinate, the new life you're giving. Watch you continue to transform the lives of areas of brokenness and trust you to change us. And, Lord, I pray this as well. We will become people that bring and witness baptism to others and offer hope and life in the depth of their struggle. I ask this in your name and in your power. And everyone said, amen. Thad wants to guide us through responding today. So for those of you who are here, when you came in, you should have received a response card along with you. Is this there? And um, we're just going to take a minute. I would love for you, every one of us, there are different uh, responses to this, but love for you to fill this out. I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm still seeking. That can be true of you. You're coming. You're hearing more about God. You're, you're still seeking, and there's something that's awakening in you. You just don't know if you're there yet. I made a decision to follow Jesus today. Maybe today was the day that you simply said yes. Oh, we want to celebrate with you. We want to we, we walk this journey together with you. Maybe it's been in the last year. 
several people have come to Christ in the last year through, through the ministries of our church. And so we want to celebrate that with you. You're a follower of Jesus and you want to get baptized. We're going to do a baptism in two weeks, December 4th. We've got people already signed up for all of our campuses. And so we would love for you to make that decision and join us. And then lastly, you're a follower and committed to pray and to share and to live out that witness that we talked about today. So as you're filling out that card, uh, we're just going to continue to kind of take a moment to pause for you to fill that out. And then we're going to have our ushers come forward and uh, they're going to collect the card. So we're, I'm going to ask you, once you fill, fill these out, pass them to the center aisles, and, uh, and our ushers will come forward. So we'll just take another few moments as you fill that out, and then we'll have our ushers come. All right, if you'll pass them to the center aisles. We have people who are coming forward to collect those. And once our ushers are done with that, we're going to, uh, we're going to enter into our time of communion. As they're receiving, and we invite... We, uh, we celebrate communion at the end of the service each week is really the under, other wonderful sacred act we have. And we worship into that. So even as they're coming, I want to invite you to stand. And uh, we're going to sing, kind of fixing our minds and hearts on who Jesus is. And then I'll guide us through taking communion together, receiving it. Spirit upon us, His presence in this place. For this we have gathered to look upon His face. And I sing praise, I sing praise. For his love never ends, I give thanks, I give thanks. For his faithfulness, I sing praise, I sing praise. He is good in every season, I give thanks, I give thanks. In joy and in faith.
seated just for a moment or two. Hopefully you got the cups when you came in. This is our means, our way of celebrating uh, communion. I want you to know we don't have any stipulations. You have to be a member here. We encourage you to be pursuing Jesus as an active response to his work and life in us. If it's not meaningful or you're not there, we don't want to push you to do something you don't believe. You'll see too as you open the cups, the top area is where the wafer is in the top. And then there's a second uh, piece to tear off to get to the cup. Jesus is imaged the same way we have image through baptism, through the wonderful sacrament of the Lord's Supper. On the night he was betrayed, he took bread, he broke it, and he gave thanks. He said, this is my body given for you, the body of God in the flesh, into the depths of our struggle and sin and ache by coming into the world, by living, by dying on behalf of us. He died for us that we would have forgiveness and life. Let's take of the bread. In the same way, Jesus took the cup. He said, it's a new covenant in my blood for the forgiveness of your sins. And always to someone in that tradition, in the Jewish tradition, it was a sweet taste. Because the taste of forgiveness is sweet. And the taste of new life even sweeter still. We're not just forgiven. We're invited into a new way of living that has meaning, purpose, power, and presence. Let's take of the cup. And Lord, I am asking that you deepen our awareness of how much you love and how great is your power and your longing to have our lives be changed and help others to discover a life in you. Let's stand as we close out our time in worship and then I'll give us a blessing. You know, as we were singing, 
I just had this picture of us increasingly discovering how deeply Jesus loves us, how deeply he gives new life, and how incredibly meaningful that he would say you will reach out to other people's lives in ways no one else can. Like he made you to reach people no one else will reach, to love people in ways no one else can, and to offer his very life and presence to people no one else would. And I want you to know this, the more you discover that inside and outside, you won't just sing words like I sing praise, you will have to sing words like I sing praise. Like I want a life that can't resist singing and has to because he's moving and I wanna see that for all of us. I wanna bless you with that in mind. Before I do, one last thing, which is just to remind you, Advent starts next Sunday. We have those uh, QR codes for the online books, which are really good. They're put together by some great uh, scholarly individuals with really wonderful readings. And then if you need a printed copy, you can still sign up out there, but we'd love to see you back for the beginning of Advent. Why don't you go ahead and place your hands out. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ continually fill you with the Spirit. May the seed he has placed in you of forgiveness and new life grow. And may the call he has for you to love others and see others and be with others, may you see his transforming power work through you and through them and change the world. For his glory, for your joy. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Amen.